Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the worst one ever. Bad improv. I, I paused. Key to improv. Go with your instincts, right? Character point of view. Tell a story. I, at the last minute, I was like, how do I make an underwater horn sound? And then I pulled off of that. I, I think it was perfect. I think it was a very uh, Jar Jar-esque comedy beat. 
We just don't if, know how the horn sounds. Yeah, if Jar Jar was being asked to make a horn noise, then he would, you know, stumble for a moment and then go, what, me? Yeah, <laughs> Misa? Misa face. make horn noise? And then save the day. <laughs> and then save the day with his uh, very specific connection to the Force, in, in my opinion, my joking opinion, that there's the living Force, the cosmic Force, and the clumsy Force uh, that Jar Jar <laughs> is very, very powerful in. That always makes a big difference. Anyway, we're going to dig into this. Uh, the person who made a beautiful underwater horn noise is Ken Napsock, and I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we're excited uh, to talk about the episode Shadow Warrior. It is season four, episode four, written by Daniel Arkin and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. Uh, before I dive into the summary, Ken, I'm just curious, did you have any memory of this episode? I did. Uh, I would not describe it as a detailed memory. <laughs> But I definitely did. I, I do remember the Bosleyoni stuff uh, and, and Jar Jar going undercover. Though I think I often confuse that with the what was it, the Bombad Jedi episode, mm-hmm. season one. Jar Jar undercover, it's a thing. But yeah, it's, it's a faint memory of this episode. Yeah, this was so great because I had shards of memory. Like I remembered almost every part of this episode, but I did not remember that they were all in this episode. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it is a wild one, I think. So uh, let's dive in. Here's the summary. A union shattered. Dooku and the Separatists strive to start a war between the Gungans and the Naboo. Dooku promises Gungan minister Rish Lu an influential place in the Confederacy of Independent Systems. So Rish Lu gives Boss Leone a necklace which clouds his mind. Under its influence, Leone convinces the Gungan army they must allow a droid army to land and join them in an attack on the city Theed. Answering Jar Jar's warning call about this calamity, Padme and Anakin discover the plot. Leone confronts Richelieu, but the rogue minister stabs Boss Leone. Noticing his similar appearance, Padme and Anakin convince Jar Jar to dress up as Boss Leone. Bravely, Jar Jar agrees and convinces the Gungan warriors that Richelieu is the real traitor. Victory? No, not even halfway through the episode. Ah. Richelieu steals a speeder and Anakin gives chase on an Eopi that does not pass gas even once. Yeah. To the Gungans' horror, the droid army is personally led by General Grievous. Jar Jar stalls the terrifying cyborg while General Tarples gathers the warriors for an assault. They successfully shut down the droid army and confront Grievous. After a brief but vicious battle, Tarples sacrifices his own life so Grievous can be captured. Pounded with boomas and speared through the limbs, Grievous is defeated. Victory? No, still not yet. Sidious then contacts Dooku, telling him Grievous is necessary for the Clone Wars plan. Believing Padme will do anything to save Anakin, Sidious orders Dooku to capture young Skywalker and exchange him for Grievous. After another brutal battle, facing Dooku and multiple Magna Guards, Anakin is captured. Padme resists the trade, knowing the capture of Grievous could help bring the war to an end. Jar Jar and a recovered Boss Leone insist Anakin is their friend and must be rescued at all costs. The trade is made. Boss Leone thanks Jar Jar for once again bringing their people together in keeping Naboo at peace. Victory, finally. For now, bum, 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 ominous chords. That's the summary. <laughs> That's a great one. I, I, really, I know you're keeping all these, but I, I would love to have uh, Lucasfilm commission and, uh, like an art book with your summaries beneath <laughs> the sad art of the episode. Like, not art from the actual episode, but like epi- art inspired by the episodes in your summaries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started kind of doing them because some of the plots can get a little convoluted or I, uh, I, what I'm really intrigued by is that uh, a lot of times the real sort of uh, 
political thrust of, of the why of what is happening is just in <laughs> the newsreel yeah. announcement. And I really wanted to draw out like, that's what this story is about. That's what we're watching. Uh, but it just becomes kind of fascinating to watch this story structure in particularly an episode like this. That's like, that's one episode with like almost three different adventures in one episode. It's so fascinating. So let's get into your overall reaction, Ken. Did you love this one? Like it? Struggle with it? Uh, mesmerized? What happened to you? Mesmerized is a good, good word to describe the feeling here. I look, I really like this one. Once I sat down and watched it this time, I, I don't think uh, there, I can't imagine a, a part of me liking this episode when it first aired too much. Uh, I, I just, there was a different time. But right now I'm in a justice for Jar Jar period of my life. Uh, <laughs> and I've loved kind of diving into some of the Jar Jar stuff in the Clone Wars. I love hearing Ahmed Best doing uh, the voice and doing Boss Leone's voice for the record. Uh, I love that. Uh, so, and there's a lot to learn in this kind of silly, fun, bonkers little episode. It's a one-off, but it's a, it's a, it's a tale for children and adults alike. And at the end of the day, I re really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by this one. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I remembered all the pieces, but didn't remember that they were all in this episode. It is a really fast-paced episode with a lot happening. Like, we just watched the Water War arc, right? Three episodes, and we both love that arc. There's a ton going on, but also at the same time, there's a little bit of like, oh, well, you know, a good five to seven minutes of this episode is uh, water battles, you know? Yeah. And the characters kind of, oh, they're they're in a fight. Now they're hiding. Now they're in a fight. Now they're hiding. You know, like it's it's a great epic, not a big criticism, uh, but, you know, it it kind of uh, uh, rotates around on itself a little bit. And this one is just like <laughs> a foot on the gas. Things happen one after another. Almost feels like it maybe could have been a two episode arc, but it's all packed into this episode. And I think the thing that I find really fascinating about it is it just it feels like the absolute extremes of the prequel era coming together of mm -hmm. this is so a horror meets comedy episode, like pretty literally uh, with the, the Jar Jar scenes, right? It's that there's, it's absolutely, it's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, but it's Jar Jar meets <laughs> Grievous where he's like, the like, I'm a comedy guy. I shouldn't be in a dark room with the monster and I'm hitting the buttons trying to get out of it. You know, it's like very Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of fun, you know, you start this episode and you think like, oh, uh, there's something real going on. There are actual stakes. It's about a civil war on Naboo. That's dark. That's horrible. But oh, we're going to we're going to spend some time with Gungans and Jar Jar all trip and it'll be fun. And then like you're not that far. You're halfway through the episode, like the horror of tarples, like just explicit, <laughs> awful Anakin tortured double shocked again it yeah. just like the mashup of the ah jar jar tripped for almost no reason like literally over his own yeah. foot i rewound seven times he just trips over his own foot wacky 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 and torture 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 all in one episode yeah the, the death the sacrifice of, of a beloved prequel character that i i i, for, I knew that was one of the things talking about the memory i knew that happened at some point in the clone wars i forgot it was here yeah, yeah so. big stuff Utterly fascinating episode. Yeah. And big, big canon, fun stuff. Yeah. One, you know, again, George wanted this episode, push for it. I uh, love hearing those notes, the Kurosawa references, of course, but it's just like that. I love the idea. They're like, well, uh, boss Nasty, ah, yeah, retire him. We got to have someone look like Jar Jar. Just fascinating, <laughs> just from the heart of George. Just want to tell this kind of story. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of heart, let's talk about the moral of the episode. The moral of this episode is. Who a person truly is cannot be seen with the eye. What did? What are your thoughts on that? I love this one. I'll tell you why. Because immediately, no one 
you know, a little bit was, you know, you, you bring up the episode and you're kind of like, oh, that's right. Jar Jar goes undercover. And so you hear that, you see that moral, you read it and you go, oh, great. What a, what a powerful message, right? Jar Jar is our bumbling friend, but he's, but he's a brave warrior. He was twice saved the Gungans from the Naboo at the end of this episode. And uh, it just, that, that, that's an uplifting kind of thing. Like, like uh, who you, who people think you are, it's not necessarily who you are and you have a chance to prove it time and time again, or maybe you need to, but I choose to say it's an inspirational thing. But then you look at the rest of the episode. Boss Leone's under the influence. Uh, Grievous is his powerful warrior, but he's a scared, frightened soul, fearful soul that has given up everything that once made him strong. Uh, Dooku is a Sith pulling all the strings, but he's just a servant to evil Palpatine. And then he does exactly to Rish Lu what he, what's going to be done to him later. <laughs> and then there's the, the, the big reveals, especially for Anakin, of, oh, remember the Battle of the Naboo? Yeah, Sith were behind that. That's not what it looks like. So this is truly about what's hidden uh, both in positive ways and negative ways, and it just made this episode even more fascinating. To me. Yeah, no, I think it, extremely well said. I think I reacted to it really uh, powerfully when I first saw it, being reminded that's what the moral is of this episode who a person truly is cannot be seen with the eye just feels like uh, the spirit of Jar Jar, you know, the lesson of Jar Jar in the Phantom Menace of, you know, don't judge a person absolutely on their surface, you know, um, is is such a, a a powerful part of this story in the prequel era and, and all through Star Wars of, you know, symbiont circles and empathy and valuing, you know, others and not, not quickly judging others. That's absolutely in, going on with Jar Jar, you know, but it also goes on with the Ewoks. It goes on with, you know, Obi-Wan's initial reaction to Anakin, you know, even Padme's like, you're putting all our faith in this kid, (laughs) you know? um, So it really ties to those big ideas of like, don't judge people immediately because who knows uh, uh, what, what strength or what Mm -hmm. kindness or, or what great value is lurking under the surface. But then, yeah, I mean, I almost feel like, yeah, that's we're saying this about Anakin too. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. He's yeah. dealing with all this fear. He looks like this great Jedi hero, but he's got a lot going on in, in what's going on. And then all those other layers of deception that you described makes yeah. it really powerful. Yeah, this is a curtains being pulled back kind of episode. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into uh, what's behind the curtains for you. What were some of the big themes or big ideas at stake in this episode? Yeah, one of the ones that really popped out uh, for me is this idea of what are you willing to sacrifice for your bigger goals, your dreams, what you're trying to get done, and and how uh, you have to make those tough calls. I love, can't wait to get to the one that happens at the end, which is Padme, Padme kind of, in a way, sacrificing a victory, right? The thought being, you get grievous, you get the war, but being being willing and and, and being told that, hey, this is the, the thing to do, to sacrifice that for Anakin and what that means I uh, love that. But uh, this, uh, you know, Rich Lou wanted freedom for the Gungans, which maybe comes from a, 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 a point of truth, at least based on their history. I don't know. Current times seems like things are a little bit better there. But he, he believes those kind of lies and, and often, you know, lies are sold as truth. And, and that can ignite you to do some things. We see that with the Nile a lot, too, in the High Republic. And so he wanted that so bad and then wanted a position of power, which mm-hmm. is part of his deal. So he sacrificed himself. And, and, and the Gungans, in a way, if not, uh, this hadn't, plan hadn't been stopped, to the Separatists and the Sith. And, and, and that, that's, that's, that's a big lesson there. And then this idea, too, uh, you talk about General Tarples, willing to lay down his life for his people, for others, and uh, sacrificing perhaps his bigger goals and willing to give uh, himself up for that. I, I thought that was for our captains turned General Tarples. Uh, <laughs> sad that he's gone, but that was a, that was a powerful, uh, powerful uh, 
exit from the stage. Yeah, absolutely. And he just straight up says the word sacrifice, right? That, I, I'm so with you. That was the, the thing that popped out the most. There are other ideas that I think are really important to this episode, but but sacrifice was so on on the surface with uh, this idea of uh, not just that, that General Tarples is willing to die in battle, but he has this line earlier uh, where he, they're kind of discussing, you know, the risks. Uh, and he's in General Tarples says, I always be believing in the friendship between the Gungans and the Dabu, you know, so I feel like that's kind of his expression of what is he actually willing to sacrifice for is this idea that they can work together, right? And that they should work together. And it it's like, um, we talk about hope and fear a lot, right? This is a, a classic uh, Sith move here of they're trying to exploit that fear in the Gungans of like, the Naboo claim that you're going to be equal, but you know, not really. So give in to the fear and start war. And and here's, here's Tarple's, you know, kind of hanging on to is like, I, I always believe that that is going to be the best way. You know, it's, it's some hope, right? Uh, and then building up to that, uh, absolutely great moment where, um, where Grievous stabs Tarples and says, you know, how does it feel to die? And Tarples, not die, sacrifice. That's so great, you know? And it's it, it it's a cool, uh, bittersweet action moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, for me, it's more about, like, it's great that we got to hear what Tarples is willing to sacrifice himself for. Absolutely, yeah. Plain, simple. Um, it's a true act of heroism there and the courage behind it. And, and I, love, I love just in terms of Star Wars story of just Tarples honoring what happened uh, 10 years ago or so uh yeah and, and padme and boss nass and everything about that um and, and not saying everything you know we don't know the whole story was was it always perfect from then on out perfect harmony i, I don't know maybe it's a long road ahead to integrate uh, these two wonderful cultures but uh that's what i'm saying there might be some truth that you can flat you know blow the smoke and turn it to flame and tarples uh, standing against that and i love that just in terms of the star wars story too yeah absolutely um in in terms of this big sacrifice idea, uh, obviously the fact that Padme does not want to, but seems willing to sacrifice Anakin to stop the war, that's really powerful. Um, it, I think that that kind of goes to a lot of big Star Wars storytelling about attachment and you know uh, balancing a sense of duty and responsibility in the bigger picture with what your own personal feelings and needs are. Uh, I really love the ambiguity here that Padme is like I. A, that, that Sidious just assumes that <laughs> the mm-hmm. same way he can manipulate Anakin, he can manipulate Padme. Like, yeah, they're in love, and love is a weakness, so of course she'll give in. And it's really sad. He's like, I, I, I can't. This might end the war. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that it, it's Leone and Jar Jar are just like, no, he's our friend, and kind of just takes Padme off the hook. There isn't a moment where Padme, obviously Padme goes along with it, right? Right. But it is a little bit like... Uh, you know, Padme is almost always the leader and in charge. And this, this is a moment of crisis for her. And mm. it feels a little bit like this incredibly difficult decision that she's taken off the hook a little bit by that. Mm. I like that phrase. I like that. Uh, and again, yeah, I love the moment. I love I love kind of analyzing because I think, you know, I, I didn't quite remember this episode like you and I have been discussing. So I had a little moment of I not I did not remember what she did. And so when she kind of says, no, 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 we need to win the war. I was like, oh, good for you. No attachment issues there. Then then, <laughs> then immediately uh, the, the page flips. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's right or wrong there other than I think this makes sense. And and, and uh, maybe not. I don't even see it as a, a, a attachment at the end of the day, but just um, 
uh, I don't know, loyalty and, and, and knowing that the, the bigger picture can, your, your bigger goals can still be reached. And this is not a sacrifice you needed to make. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's, you know, Star Wars has this conversation about attachment and the prequel era focuses to me on the, the dark side of it, of attachment that is about possession and, uh, you know, trying to save yourself from ever having pain or loss and a kind of a dark attachment. Um, whereas, in the Jedi, I understand that and fear that. Um, and then in the original trilogy, I feel like the story between Luke and Leia and Han always being there for one another and Luke ultimately, you know, uh, uh, reaching out to his father, it is showing this other side of attachment that it, that if it comes from a pure and selfless place, it doesn't need to be feared as much, right? Um, yeah. And I think for me, that's kind of what it's about. Of Like Jar Jar is just such a character of empathy, right? that it is this attachment that is just so sincere and pure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The, the intentions, uh, the tensions ring true. My aim yeah. is true. Sings Jar Jar. <laughs> Strategically, whether, you know, Padme, you know, should have gone along with it, but it, it's also a matter of, you know, that it wouldn't have actually ended the war for sure. Right then it was just yeah. much more of a, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, the other, the, go ahead. No, I was that was my final even little like strategy thought on it there too. Like I don't know if that would have ended the war. I don't necessarily think uh, taking Palpatine's uh, manipulations even out of it. I think uh, you know it wouldn't have been like just all right, pack it up, we're heading home. So I think that's also why it was right the right call. Yeah, and also I think it ties into the episode very well of you know Padme not just going. Uh, yeah, I don't care what you Gungans think. Here's what I'm doing. Right, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is showing like, hey, I'm actually listening. <laughs> right. You know, uh, um, I just feel like it, it when I say let's Padme off the hook, it seems like she kind of knows I or, or feels that she should do her her duty and her responsibility. And maybe this is a pressure point for her where she feels like this is one of the reasons I was concerned about this relationship, because I'm now in this position of power as a as a senator. Uh, but I'm emotionally compromised uh, because of my marriage uh, and that she's kind of wrestling with some of those things. Uh, but obviously she does go along with it, you know, so. She does make a decision. I just feel like it's, you know, it's not like if she were entirely alone and had to make that decision all by herself. This isn't a queen on a throne here. Yeah, this is yeah, a, a senator part of a team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, last thing for me in this kind of big idea of sacrifice, I, it's really fun to see a moment where Sidious is not willing to sacrifice a pawn, right? <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not the time to sacrifice Grievous. Uh, that'll be later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. But what's the actual line? He's a big part of my plan. Is the my version of the line in my head? Like, yeah, yeah. I put that, I believe, in our canon section, so we can yeah. dig into that a little bit more. What we think that means. Yeah, yeah, love that. Um, another big idea for me is just this kind of idea of together versus alone. I just felt like there are a lot of uh, specific images and ideas that that really were about. Um, coming together or separating together versus alone uh, in that the, you know, the main plot is shattering the unity between the Gungans and the Dubu. That's the main thing that's wanted, right? Um, Rich Lu thinks, as you were saying, that he's going to have this beneficial union with the separatists, that he's made a good deal. And instead he gets stabbed and he dies alone. <laughs> so he's going for this union, trying to become a part of something bigger than himself. And he's just, he dies uh, all alone. Uh, there's a great image of Grievous, you know, his his droids have been turned off and he's fighting alone. And he's, of course, like, I can do everything alone. Right. And it is the Gungans 
totally working together. Like have them in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. Their, it, their tactics are all totally working together. Um, and then the fact that this episode is, uh, it, it reminds us of the Phantom Menace explicitly again and again. And it's this bond between Anakin, Padme, and Jar Jar that ultimately stops the plot. You know, if the Sith want to separate the Gungans and the Naboo, it's really this this bond between Anakin, Padme, and Jar Jar uh, that saves Anakin's life and, you know, saves the day, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Bassione says, uh, just a second time used to stop in war with the Naboo. And it's really that, like, no, we won't be alone. We will be together. I love it. I love what you're saying, too, especially about just watching Grievous, this alleged picture of power uh uh just being toppled by the, the by unity right which is kind of um you know the, the clone war in a in a in a, in a, in a little microcosm there right what they're hoping we they we they don't need any of these systems they can't have any of these systems work their differences out and unite so i love seeing it from that angle too that's great awesome yeah it, it, it was a powerful one to me of like you want to try to be the gungans not grievous <laughs> which can be hard uh other ideas uh, or themes uh, that you want to discuss um, not in terms of those, and there's ones that start to move us into the uh, larger story of Star Wars, but I, I, I liked kind of this idea of um, just revealed the end of the Sith behind it all and how that can sometimes see, seem overwhelming that the dark side is so strong, that evil so strong, or that there's a lot of things between you and uh, the idea of peace, happiness, or, or reaching your goals and uh, how that can, uh, that can be hard to, that can be hard to combat. But uh, a lot of what you're talking about too, uh, the, the, connections togetherness uh could overcome that kind of stuff too but i just like that that was a real big reveal at the end to me of like oh by the way we've been behind it all <laughs> yeah i mean that i i was really affected by that i forgot it was there it ties so well to everything uh, uh with dooku that we know from the films of him telling obi-wan this strategic amount of truth and then obi-wan kind of bringing it back to uh mace and yoda at the end of attack the clones and you know yoda saying lies and deception that's his way and then we get to see that that it really works that that the jedi sort of they they work toward clarity right to to Mm -hmm. true understanding or you know so they can kind of accept the things they don't know but work to understand the things they can and dooku i think really knows like yeah give people the most give people a little bit of truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) but kind of upsetting truth that can sink in and become paranoia right that he's such a master of that uh the mm-hmm. actual dialogue we're talking about here of uh anakin saying why bring the war to, to naboo and dooku saying how quickly you forget after all the war started here years ago anakin you were part of that first battle the sith control everything you just don't know it so to me it's it's revealing something about like okay well how was how was the naboo plot like okay I, I, a lot of people could see like okay with the trade federation in league with sith <laughs> overstepping, trying to control. Like, okay, yeah, I, I get how this is the beginning of the Clone Wars. But without getting more specific, it it opens Anakin up and anybody he shares this information with to kind of question everything. The Sith control everything. You just don't know. Well, what is everything? Who is everything? You know, is it somebody on the Jedi Council? Is it, you know, the, this person I trust? Is, is Rex involved? Like, you know, it, it's this uh, great uh, way to get paranoia just flowing. Yeah, well, I think this uh, this can tie into hope versus fear. You got some hope. Well, now you got some fear that around every corner is someone gonna, who's ready to take you down and there's nothing you can do about it. Again, this overwhelming feeling. So, yeah, it definitely all tracks. 
Yeah. And for me, I think it, it's well set up throughout the episode. You you uh, illustrated it really well when we we're talking about the moral, but there is just this constant theme of deception. Like very early on, you know, uh, Padme's opening uh, bit of negotiation is to say to uh, Leone, with all due respect, your course of action is based on lies. Yes, yes. <laughs> just such just such great lines as just Padme cutting to the chase of like, let, let's get past the paranoia and fear uh, and the what ifs and, and the how abouts <laughs> yeah. and the changing of subjects. This is a lie, you know, and it's like there, there's just like this kind of breath of fresh air because it's, you know, what's needed when Palpatine starts taking over the entire galaxy and spinning all this like mm, this is all based on a lie. He's an evil wizard who wants power, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I love that line. But then as you were saying, like Richelieu is lying to Bastioni. Bastioni is lying to his people. People. Dooku is lying to Richelieu. Uh, Sidious, we know is lying to Dooku. Even when it's not lies, we have Jar Jar impersonating someone. Anakin is lured into a trap because it's not what he thinks it is. It's just kind of endless levels of deception in this episode. Yeah. Isn't this, yeah that's funny spiraling uh, uh tornado of lies <laughs> a tornado of lies uh do you have some thoughts about how these ideas in this episode reflect a larger story morality perspective of star wars uh I, I, you touch it upon again of just this uh, there was something up top of just these planets becoming pawns in this dangerous chess game which speaks to this drive of power that's often uh that we have to rise up and fight against in star wars and again i talked about how lies can be sold as truth and Provide false reasons to act, and you just touch upon it uh, with Padme calling that out. So I just love how that's always a play because we're in the Clone Wars. We're analyzing this and uh, uh, how we got into this mess and what this mess means and how we're going to get out of it and how, quite frankly, we know we don't really get out of it and how it was a slippery slope that everyone just kept slipping on down and and who was affected? The, the people, the planets, the, the species, uh, uh, the, the, the denizens of this galaxy. And, and uh, that's why I love seeing the Gungans rise up again here in this moment. But it just kind of Reminded me of the bigger picture of play in the Clone Wars. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. That was a, the thing that I was really affected by in that in that newsreel because the the episodes are, are often explicit, but but sometimes you're really focused on the character, and a lot of times those newsreels just remind you of the big picture of you know it's not just Order sixty six that defeated the Jedi, right? It, it's yeah. the spread of the dark side is war, and not just the actual violence of war. But all of the chaos and the loss, we have all those very political episodes where Padme is saying people don't have their basic needs, you know. But even in those episodes that aren't as explicit, if you really listen to those newsreel announcements, it's quite explicit about the the political damage of the war uh, and how that spreads the dark side, right? There's the line about planets are nothing but pawns. And then uh, suffering and civil unrest threatens once friendly relations. And we have this uh, image of uh, somebody on Naboo. It looks like just getting food rations, right? Yeah. And it just, it brings it down to just like the very real of, you know, the war is a huge amount of what's giving Sidious his power. The war is the dark side because it's not just the fighting. It's not just the front lines. It's the misery that spreads everywhere and all of the fear that comes in because of that misery and the bad choices people might make because of the bad conditions they're living in. 
Yeah, well said, because often we hear it over the years, you hear, oh, the Clone Wars kind of saves the prequel era, right? Uh, I mean, that's a general topic sentence I'm throwing out there. Yep. Uh, just bar bar conversations, uh, picnic conversations with friends. Oh, I love the Clone Wars. It, it made the prequel so much better. And, and there's some truth to that, quite frankly. I get it. I get that conversation. But what you're describing, Joseph, is is the, what to me what the Clone Wars actually does is to take some of the big themes that play in the prequel movies and say, here's wait, maybe what you missed, or here's a chance for us to expand on it. And the Jedi weren't wiped out because they lost this one-on-one fight with the red lightsaber folks. It was this so slow slip into spots where they had to make decisions that took them out of uh, not only their comfort zones, but out of their 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 just their principles and 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 uh, their codes. And, and then the galaxy started to suffer, and that's down to the micro level how Palpatine won and how this happened. And I think that this is what makes a lot of the Clone Wars, uh, excuse me, in the prequel movies even better for me because we're going to have a discussion uh, later this weekend if you guys are listening in order around here uh, on Star Wars Ranked about the best lines from Attack of the Clones. And there's some of those lines in Attack of the Clones. I'm like, man, the Jedi know what they have to do, but they can't. They're pushed into a corner if they have to go against what they believe. And a lot of it is what you're talking about here because people are, you know, species lives are at stake uh, in, in, in the galaxy because Palpatine's winning on this level. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm just really affected by seeing, you know, the these snippets of the day-to-day people of the galaxy and just this message that when people are suffering, they make, bad choices and make choices out of fear which is why we should try to be jar jars <laughs> right we should try to find empathy and connection because if one person is suffering that's that suffering is going to spread but if we're helping each other that light side is going to spread you heard it here folks be jar jars <laughs> be a bunch of jar jars uh speaking of that we already talked a little bit about attachment, but I just thought this was so great in this episode that uh, it just reminded me of a lot of other moments when, you know, Padme is clearly devastated, uh, uh, but seems willing to endanger Anakin. And, uh, you know, that the continuing inability for Darth Sidious Chief Palpatine to accurately read Padme, yeah. <laughs> that his manipulations consistently don't quite work on her. Like he's got her fooled in the day to day that he is, you know, uh, well-intentioned Palpatine, a Supreme Chancellor. Um, but it even really made me uh, remember that moment in Attack of the Clones of when Padme uh, falls out of the gunship and Anakin is, you know, dead set on going back and and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, you know, says, you know, what would she do? And, oh, yeah. and Anakin gives in and says she would do her duty, you know? Yeah. And it really feels like that's that moment of she's like, everything in me says, of course, of course. But I have to question that because I have this attachment and I know I should do my duty and and capturing Grievous, that that might be a way to end the war. And, you know, you watch the not only the Clone Wars films, Mm -hmm. but the actual Clone Wars animated series. Padme is, uh, you know, she blasts when she has to. (laughs) Yes. She's out there being an action hero when she absolutely has to. But her goal is always back to negotiations and the war and the violence, you know, mm-hmm. so you can see how she would just be absolutely torn apart by this. Yeah. A failure to listen seems to be one of her <laughs> driving goals, but also actually, yeah, I love that. I love pulling that into that attack the clones moment. Well done. Yeah. 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 And it is just kind of heartwarming uh, when Judge uh, Arnbassione is just like, but he's our friend. <laughs> Let's not make this overly complicated. <laughs> yeah. Go rescue our friend. <laughs> uh, from the minds of Gungans, yes. 
Yes, truly wonderful. The mind of a Gungan. Any other thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, that's a lot of stuff there for this uh, weird comedy horror uh, little uh, wacky episode, huh? A lot of big <laughs> stuff at play. Exactly. A lot of big stuff at play in the comedy and the horror and the tripping. Uh, we will be right back in a moment to discuss some of our favorite action moments, comedy moments, lore moments, all that great stuff in just a moment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we 
we are back to finish our discussion of Shadow Warrior, a great, weird Clone Wars episode. Ken, do you have favorite action moments in this strange episode of the Clone Wars? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Uh, let me rearrange my list here. It's never a <laughs> ranking. It's never a ranking. I try to go in order the episode. Uh, but I'm going to put this down first as an action moment. Uh, you can tell me if it doesn't count. Um, I just put down Swimming Kadu. <laughs> I think that counts. Uh, I love these uh, creatures here. The, the fact that you see them kind of swimming underwater, little little uh, chicken legs just kind of churning. <laughs> I was like, that's uh, that's just adorable. Uh, it's practical and uh, it's action. They're swimming around. It's moving. And I just love, we talk about our love of creatures in Star Wars and why it's important. I love those little kadu. Yeah, there's some quality kadu time in this one for sure. Yeah. But beyond that, I'll jump to some actual real big action here. I just, Padme blasting a droid right in the noggin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that was my first one as well. There's a lot in that that little action scene, but it's just like the commando droids, you know, like you kind of learn to fear them because you know that they're a bigger problem. And it's just cool to see Padme. It's like, okay, I'm getting used to these. They're they're all over you. <laughs> yes. They're flippy, scary, and just zap right in the head with, the, I believe, her ELG-3A. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Got a point there. And yes, uh, <laughs> like you said earlier, she is not afraid to uh, shoot when she needs to. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, what's uh, another one for you? It was more uh, a background, a setting, a, a, an atmosphere, a mood for the action. I love when uh, rain broke out over the battle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it really was like, hey, we got a tonal shift in this episode. And yeah. not like other things earlier aren't, you know, scary and... Um, the whole thing is, can we prevent a civil war and uh, somebody's mind being controlled and, you know, Bastiani being stabbed? There's there's violence and scary things. But then that rainstorm yeah. <laughs> hits and it's like, no, we're serious now. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get scary. Scary. Love that. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was great to see. And it reminded me, like, uh, you know, I love Two Towers and just when the rain starts to fall slowly and the next, you know, the battle in the rain, what's more epic than that? Uh, just to have it here on uh, Naboo made sense. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, I know we mentioned it as kind of a part of the the big ideas of the show, but the the uh, the stab exchange between Tarples and Grievous and the, mm-hmm. you know, the the brutality of like you know, Tarples is not as wacky of a character as Jar Jar, but he's you know he's still a Gungan. He's still like eh, yeah, you know Captain Tarples. Eh, here here's our jokes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the viciousness of seeing him just run through and how does it feel to die? And then just like a eh, cool action line of not die, sacrifice, stab, and all of it is extra amazing because you know how terrifying Grievous is, and it's raining. So yeah. how could it not be terrifying? It's a great sequence. It really is. And look, uh, Tarple sacrifice. Does it? Uh, I think I, I choose to believe it helps save the relations between Gunkins and, and the Naboo uh, more than anything. Um, but man, from the line, talking about a badass action line and going out on your shield, but then the c- confusion on Grievous's kind of uh, face, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. read. But then, yeah, the boom buzz and then the, he falls and then they <laughs> stick his arms and legs and he's like pinned to the ground. Like he's a frog in a lab class. Uh, everything about it was, was very <laughs> epic, very epic. And uh, why I just love this series. And there's these big star Wars moments tucked into all these shows. 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I just I think I really appreciated that coming together of the Gungans, which in general are going to tilt toward the a little bit more whimsical, even though they have their big battle in Phantom yeah. Menace. It, most of it is kind of portrayed in in a in a whimsical light with Jar Jar kind of leading it, um, and Grievous being this absolute horror show. And then the the tide has turned when Grievous is just taking a pounding from those Boomas. Yeah. <laughs> That in particular is the one I really like because that feels like that moment of like, we gotcha. Oh, we gotcha. And we're pounding you with the boomers. It's like the final one like smacks his face. <clears throat> like, ah, oh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you then have some moments? So there's another big action scene uh, with the capture of Anakin. So do you have some moments in there that jumped out at you? Yeah, I, there might be one of the, um, I wrote it. It actually has happened several times, but I, so I, I've always so I, I love the Magna Guards. I just love the design, which was a potential design for Grievous, as we know. I love the, love the, uh, you know, their weapons. And the Electro Staff, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just, so I do love the fights and I love the sounds. The sound design for the, the, the Electro Staff is great too. But yeah, there's one where Anakin just force pushes a couple times. So there's the one big final one at the end. Just a reminder of the power of Anakin. It also reminded me of, Playing Star Wars Battlefront, <laughs> pressing that X button there, uh, all your force powers, and I just uh, you know Star Wars cool. There it is. Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of great moments, including just getting to see like Dooku being so strategic of knowing like yeah, no, Anakin's Anakin's powerful and only growing more powerful. So I got all these Magna guards and all these tricks to throw him off his game. But it's great to like see Dooku then like no, now I'm just I'm gonna choke you against the wall and you're getting the full Sith lightning like. Seen, seen Dooku kind of uh, tenderize him and then go in for the kill was, was yeah. pretty great. Uh, but I think my favorite moment is there's there was a great weird design of those uh, lights that looked like, um, you know, kind of moody uh, uh, lantern, old school lanterns. But they had those little legs. Right. <laughs> and they were walking around. And then to see Dooku kind of pull a Vader of like... Uh, getting hit with one of these by throwing them around the force is not going to actually take you out, but it's really going to distract you, you know, and throwing the lights at Anakin and, and whacking him. And then Dooku <laughs> does a dust his a uh, cape off moment. <laughs> yes, she does. So great. So great. So evil, but so great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, grievous. And uh, from dusting the cape shoulders off, do you have any other action moments or should we move on to moments of comedy and whimsy? Let's talk the yuck yucks. Let's talk the yuck yucks. Uh, what are some of your favorite yuck yucks? I enjoyed. Uh, I think I wrote. I think I wrote the exact quote. Maybe it's a bit of a paraphrase, but uh, when Jar Jar emerges and he's like, "Ouchie, Misa ears go boomba one day." <laughs> I uh, I love that. Look, I get. I you know we can talk about the Gungans and the the voice and going back to ninety nine and I'm at best had a little something to do with the creation of that voice too. But I I just. There's, I, I find some humor in, uh, in just the way they phrase it. And, and, and going from 1999, just hating, excuse me, which shows up in this episode again, uh, to some of the quotes in here. It just, uh, I don't know, it's, it tickles me in a, different, in a different way than it did in 1999. So, yeah, like no, I'm with you. That, I thought that was a great appearance for Jar Jar. There's something also, he's like, something a little like, um, oh, man, I make this trip a lot. And it's, uh, it's starting to be hard on the old ears. Like, there, <laughs> there was a, not quite old man Jar Jar, but like, eh. You know, yep. <laughs> first pangs of middle age, Jar Jar. There, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, my my uh, first moment that I really liked is uh, we had that that story of the the clumsy Jar Jar whose clumsiness actually reveals something important, right? Because mm -hmm. he he trips, and that's when he's playing with the crown, and that's what causes 
uh, Padme and Anakin to come up with this plan of him impersonating Boss Leone. It's an opportunity for him again to, you know, face his fear and be brave. It's all great storytelling, but all of it, the catalyst of all of it is he trips for almost no reason. Just, it feels like force of habit of just like, it's yeah. been an hour since I've tripped. <laughs> he, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. And you said you rewound it. I, I, I focus on it too. This comes from my old line of work. He, he, he tripped like a person faking a slip on a wet spill to sue them all. <laughs> but trust me, I have seen hundreds of times, and it's it never ceases to amaze. And Jar Jar literally looked like, oh, cool. I'm going to collect ten thousand right here on my settlement. Boing, fell. <laughs> I am a big fan of slapstick comedy and did a decent amount of it in my uh, sketch comedy days of, you know, finding ways to motivate a trip. And and this is one where he just like he he does appear to literally just trip uh, over one foot, like one yep. foot moves and the other. He's like, oh, I forgot to move that one. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so, so funny to not have it so uh, flimsily motivated trip. I, and I love it. I love it. I love that about Jar Jar. I got, look, I got a real life friend who has fallen several times into holes that shouldn't, where the holes shouldn't be. He's fallen down hills. And one time we were teasing him about it at a party in a friend's kitchen. And I'm not kidding. He fell standing up in the kitchen. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, we love him too. We love him like Jar Jar and he always kind of wins the day. So I'm there for it now. Might not have been there in 99. I am all for it now. Justice for Jar Jar. Yeah, sudden tripping. It's a thing of beauty. Uh, another moment for me with Jar Jar that I really, really liked is uh, there are a lot of great moments of comedy of him, you know, trying to be uh, Bastioni and keep yeah. his voice down uh, lower. And amazing performance by Ahmed Best to do both characters and then do a character impersonating one of the characters. Uh, really great job. Uh, but there's that uh, awkward chair adjusting shtick, which is so funny. And for me, it's the a chair adjusting shtick would be funny by itself, but I love things when it gets that, uh, when silliness gets a contrast with something darker, right? Yeah. And, you know, the fact that he, if that was a meeting with Padme and Palpatine in his office, it would be funny. But the fact that it's this, you know, mm -hmm. he's trapped in a dark ship with this utter monster yeah. <laughs> doing chair shtick. Uh, and then uh, his line of, we must put end to unfortunate bang bang conflict. <laughs> Yes. yes, again, you could write down a lot of these lines. Yeah, that was a, it was an, is a, is like an office place comedy moment right there with that chair, Justin. But yes, in that setting, that means uh, that the, the stakes are raised. Really funny. Yeah, much like the chair. Uh, any other moments of comedy and whimsy for you? I, I wrote down, um, a series of uh, background lines and some uh, on par with the Ewok saying that guy's wise in Return of the Jedi is when uh, uh, Rich Lewis said, no, nah, Boss Leone's dead. And then Jar Jar shows up and everyone's like, he is alive. He is. And then he speaks and one goes, it is Boss Leone. It just, I just, it tickled me. <laughs> they just, it was, and then they had, each had some background, you know, some background lines that were popping up there of, you know, revenge for the Gunga. It was just, it was great. Love those little background lines. Yeah, no, there were some good ones where they're, they're sounding pretty mad at first too, right? When, when, uh, uh, Leone or was really winding him up. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> or Reach Lou rather. Was yeah. Winding him yeah. Up. And they, but they switched on a dime almost like the, but it was like death to Naboo. Yay for Naboo. It was, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was great to just like, turns out it's a lie. And they're yes. like, oh, great. Yes, once again, that, like the that was cathartic to see. Yeah, yeah, we, we like Gungans. 
this is not super a moment of comedy, but just like great Star Wars weirdness. Uh, when they have Grievous captured and they're making the exchange and they have him in, in bubble bonds, like it's, it's total Gungan technology, but it just, it looks like they, you know, blew giant gum bubbles and then stuck his head and hands in them. And it worked, looks like it looks cool, but also just like weird. And I just love the part of star Wars that is, it's weird. And that, that that's just a weird image to me. And I loved it. Yeah. And how would just. I don't know how that works, but it's annoying slash kind of waterboarding out of your heads in a <laughs> thing. Of, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't need to. It just yeah. looks cool and weird. Yeah, um, I love it. Any other uh, moments of comedy or whimsy for you? Uh, no, just some uh, real class, class A Jar Jar action here. Yeah, quality Jar Jar time. Uh, and speaking of that, let's get into uh, some moment of uh, Star Wars canon, lore, connections to other stories. This almost felt like a tribute to the Phantom Menace, right? I mean, it makes sense because of the environment we're in, but there are so many uh, pre- uh, prequel era, but Phantom Menace in specific uh, classics, right? We have uh, uh, Lake Peonga, the lake that uh, Oda Gunga is in. We get to see a bongo. Uh, Padme is in her classic action on Naboo outfit. Yes. Uh, you know, a Trade Federation landing ship, uh, EOP, Anakin riding an EOP, uh, a Famba with a shield generator in the background. Get uh, Rish Lu's secret laboratory is yeah. very cool, but it's, you know, it's a sculpture that looks uh, similar to the sculptures in the in the Gungan sacred place, there's just kind of so much Phantom Menace. Uh, how did that hit you? How did that land with you? Loved it. I loved uh, you know, the canon connection of the, you know, the Sith involvement of the first battle of Naboo, which, you know, uh, we, we, we were aware with Palpatine and, and Sidious and whatnot. But just to have that confirmed, the, the, the Oda Gungan locations, particularly the, the kind of uh, throne room, for lack of a better term, wherever we first meet Boss Thass, I just had a, I, I really had a big smile on my face of, of seeing it again and seeing an action there. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I love that you said it. it's a kind of an ode to Phantom Menace down to the design of that, uh, uh, what I, it's secret lab for Richelieu, but also I described as a se- secret Sith office on Naboo, where I think Palpatine <laughs> probably took some calls, uh, when he was over there. Uh, loved everything about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a office space, a, a work share office space, yeah. right? Yeah. This is my lab, but uh, but Dooku's got a desk there. He takes calls. Yeah, well, I gotta imagine if, uh, Rish Rish Lu seems like he may have been been there a while. So if if somehow they connected before, where Palpatine's like in the back of his head, like this guy's power hungry, I'll file that away. Yeah, yeah. file that away. Yeah, a lot of these Gungans, uh, you know, they they've really got their their heads screwed on straight. Uh, you know, want to work together. This guy, oh, yeah. <laughs> this guy wants power. Um, yeah, I think I really liked it because a lot of it, it just makes sense. A lot of it is just like, well, that's, those are the animals. Those are the locations. That's the technology. Some of it is like, yeah, well, of course. Um, but some of it feels like since the actual events of Phantom Menace are being revi- revisited, both from the sort of the positive of mm-hmm. this is what, you know, Jar Jar and Padme and Anakin accomplished together 10 years ago uh, versus uh, this is the beginning of this great manipulation it makes sense to kind of revisit some of these uh, just the things like Padme's Naboo action dress, you know, Um, and that Gungan sacred place, uh, you know, the sculpture looking like it, uh, it's kind of the same, but kind of different and and gets you in, in the mood for what's being discussed. Absolutely. It makes you kind of want to revisit Phantom Menace. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, something that is not in the Phantom Menace that is in this episode is a mind control necklace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the quote here is, uh, they say, uh, Richelieu, uh, no ancient Gungan mystical power, mind over matter. Ah. Um, what do you make of this? It is not ex- the the power behind the mind control necklace that does appear to be mind controlling him or emotion controlling him. Uh, is not explained in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, did you get upset? Did you make a, an a angry video in your car? No. <laughs> Wanting this explained, what did you make of it? Probably at one point, maybe not my favorite thing, but but I don't know, after spending some time with the, the you know the Night Sisters and all the other different powers in the galaxy, it, it's okay. It works, and um, I have this headcanon of of Rish Lu probably tried this with Boss Nass at some point, but Nass wasn't having it at all and uh, so he pulled uh pulled it back a little bit and not saying boss leone is weak but just uh you're not boss nass i mean come on and i think we <laughs> finally found someone in, in a situation where he could use this power yeah i mean i think that's kind of the way i took it too of like uh, the idea of uh uh that the force can be manipulated and and used in lots of different ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Jedi and Sith and other force users have this sort of direct connection to it. But yeah, Night Sisters have their their magic, which seems to take elements of the force and sort of imbue objects with them. Right. right. Um, that that it, and what's actually happening is like somebody who's maybe got yeah a weaker mind than <laughs> than yeah. Boss Nass is being sort of mind tricked to believe a specific thing and to be filled with this uh this anger. Uh, and it's almost like did you know did somebody have the power to um do a mind trick but imbued in into an object Mm, i like that idea yeah i also just uh, really like that um you know i I think i was kind of joking about the angry car video but it's just that kind of thing where i feel like if this was a major plot point in a movie people would be really upset about it or at least some people would be upset about it because it 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 doesn't have an answer right yeah it doesn't it doesn't have an answer and yeah 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 no absolutely and and uh, yeah i don't know if necessarily we want that uh, in a star wars movie uh, but who knows execute it right and i'd be there for it. maybe we go maybe uh that's what Taika Waititi's movie is we're going to ancient gungan uh <laughs> lore ancient gungan lore yeah yeah so it absolutely could uh, arise from the uh the gungan people uh but it's also you know interesting to note that jar jar himself and maybe others have a, a relationship with the uh Dagoan order uh Dagoan order on uh, bardada mm-hmm. that we learned about in season six right so maybe uh maybe uh there's a little bit of help there from some other force wielders yeah, that makes sense uh, the death of Tarples is, of course, a big deal. Um, this was fascinating to revisit uh, because we're kind of going through this with Bad Batch, right? With some of these characters who aren't like they're not they they feel major like major characters because we know them from the movies and we've lived with them for a long time. Uh, so their their deaths have impacted. When you were first watching this, were you like, "Oh, Tarples, I had an action figure of that guy, and now he's dead"? Like, did uh, it have an impact? Yeah, no, I, 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 it, it did in a way. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the Bad Batch thing, where Bad Batch, uh, you know, kind of especially with just Camino, and there's a sense of closure on some of these characters and locations we've known before, and not the you know big intention of the show, but that ends up happening uh, a couple times. I, um, I, I, I looked at this a little different, where I, I, I do kind of love this ending, and and 
And if the character's got to go and maybe you got to write him out of the story or something in terms of we know he doesn't really appear anywhere else or what, whatever, whatever it may be. I think this was a justice served for uh, a character that we've all grown to uh, love despite ourselves. Uh, speaking to myself, mostly in 1999, Tarples was always one that was positively received by me and my pals. So uh, worthy ending for a great leader. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just really, yeah, I think I was just like, yeah, no, I mean, I've known that I've known that guy for <laughs> many years yeah. by the time <laughs> I saw this episode uh, and, and watched him die. But I think there's also just a part of me, like also seeing even Peel go uh, that mm-hmm. I really like that sense of, yeah, in, you just watch the prequel trilogy and some characters don't pop up again. And you're like, Hey, I wonder what happened to them. I wonder, yeah. you know, did Tarple survive and fight in the rebellion? And like, it's just fun to get some of the answers of like, Nope. <laughs> some of these characters did not make it tarples i'll tell you what tarples was on endor you just didn't see him behind rex <laughs> he survived he survived this it's okay yeah. it's okay uh yeah so uh, boss leone uh it sounds like you probably watched a little bit of the uh not behind the scenes but the q a that they have on the yeah. starwars.com pages um this was uh obviously we're fans of boss nass and this was uh they lucas wanted uh to do this plot where jar jar could conceivably pretend to be the leader uh, and didn't worry about what happened to Boss Nass. He is uh, assumed uh, to have retired. Filoni makes a joke of he's uh, he's golfing with Typho. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then comes back in uh, Revenge of the Sith because, yeah, no, lots of heads of state go to funerals of people they were close with. You, he doesn't have to be Boss Nass still yeah. to, to show up to Padme's uh, funeral. Yeah. How, how did you feel about all that? How did you feel about the... Uh, not the elephant in the room, but the uh, the boss Nass uh, sized <laughs> hole in the room. The, the Nass in the room. I I, I actually love it. I, I I think I love it in the sense of number one, I'm glad that Nass is still alive in, in in canon, and we can get some further storytelling with him if we need to. I mean, Bad Batch season two, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I would love to go to Naboo. That's one of my biggest wishes. That'd be great. And we run into a retired boss Nass. I'd be I'd be fine with that. Um, I just. I guess I just can't lie. I love, yeah, there's been a couple times in these Q&As and the behind-the-scenes things were Filoni. And this, these are all taped years ago for the DVD releases, Is if you watch them on StarWars.com. Now, I love that even then, he's just like, sorry, legend canon junkies. George <laughs> says it. And what are we going to do? He created Star Wars. So, you want to boss Leone? Need someone to look like Jar Jar for, for the story? That's what we did. And that's the answer. Uh, and I just, uh, there's something about that that just kind of, uh, I find amusing. I can't, I can't deny. Yeah, no, I understand it. And uh, I, I think it's a great uh, picture that, yeah, things change, right? And it yeah. goes along with uh, Queen Niutini. Niutini. Right, right. Uh, uh, we, we know that the queens have a pretty short um, term, right? Yeah. And years are passing and Jamila's out. <laughs> She's out. She's out. Uh, yep. Uh, and this is a queen that was there for a lot of the Clone Wars adventures. She's also in Blue Shadow Virus and she's also in an, uh, an upcoming episode uh, on Naboo as well. So it's cool to right. see the queen. Any thoughts on seeing a different uh, Naboo queen? No, I love it. I, and, and there's been some you know wonderful uh, content. E.K. Johnson goes to some of the queens. Uh, I would love to... You know, and I think our buddy Alex has at one point done a Star Wars Explained video on some of the queens. I would love to see, uh, I'd be up for like a, a a book, The Queens of Naboo, a history of the uh, elected uh, royalty in, on, on, on this planet. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think there are some details. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not yet. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, it'll be it'll be great to, to revisit uh, some of those uh, Padme books 
and look at all of the various uh, queens coming and going. Yeah. Um, Anakin gets electrocuted again, this time by both Electrostaff and Sith Lightning. These are at least three Anakin adventures in a row. We've seen him electrocuted <laughs> uh, by a ceiling, by a squid, by an Electrostaff, by Sith Lightning. This man is constantly being electrocuted. Look, at, at this point, it almost is like they're trying to tell us something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, how do you, that's got to affect Anakin, right? Of just like, yeah. I can't leave the temple without 8,000 volts going through my body that's, and my mechno arm. Yeah, that should have been the special edition, uh, um, uh, you know, add on. Just him yelling, not again, as, as Palpatine <laughs> shocks him as he, as he lifts him up. Uh, I, I, and there's something about it I love. Just um, so many warnings in front of uh, of Anakin along the way. Grievous being this giant one, the hacking and the coughing, some, someone who sold his very being to, to get some idea of power. It's all around him all the time. And I uh, kind of like it. And even though he's not going to pick up the clues, yeah, it's still fun to see them parade past him. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this is the exact line from Sidious when he is giving orders to uh, Darth Tyrannus, Count Dooku, to capture Anakin. Uh, he says, General Grievous is a critical part of my plan for the Clone Wars. So, how? Wh where do you go with that? Um, there's a lot of different you know, ways you could take it. I'm curious how you reacted to it. I think um, in terms of uh, plans, yeah, I, I, first of all, I love it. I love the Palpatine. It's just kind of one of those things of he's a phantom menace behind it all, but he, we always talk about his ability to adjust, and often it's because Padme is causing him to adjust. <laughs> um, but it is, unfortunately, one of the great skills of Palpatine. He's going he's gonna to adjust, but the, there's a little, I sensed a little panic in his voice, like, no, 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 can't have this. In terms of the plans, just think, I think – um, leading the war, I think uh, having him not, not as an apprentice, but someone as a backup to the idea of uh, of uh, uh, gotten getting rid of Dooku, and maybe you know, can he get Anakin? Can he get Anakin? He's not sure. He's got a pretty good idea that he will. So I just like all the logistics behind. He needs him. He needs him to drive the Republic to uh, the brink of defeat. Yeah, yeah. I think there's that. I, I think that this is kind of picking up on this thread. It's so important in Revenge of the Sith that. Grievous is the technical military leader, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the Jedi understand that that Dooku is a Sith and Dooku himself will have to be defeated at some point. But Dooku is to the galaxy is kind of masquerading as like, what? I'm the political leader of this yes. Confederacy of Independent Systems. But like, I think from a kind of from Padme's perspective, from the perspective of, you know, uh, Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and anybody who wants to push back against like, we can stop the violence if the leader of the army is dead yes uh and i think that um yeah so i i kind of felt it was a little bit of like no 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 they'll they're they're gonna harangue me to end the war <laughs> yeah. if i lose uh the leader of the army and also for me it could just be a really explicit like uh, i I, re I really like this plan where grievous kidnaps me <laughs> from course yes. and i, I don't want to get a new person to do that he's perfect for it yeah, no, I agree with that. That's kind of the big plot point, right? What's coming? No, no, he's. I can't. I can't train someone else to kidnap me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any other canon or lore connections uh, that uh, you picked up on? Uh, the big, uh, the big uh, tracking this, and they do mention it in. I think it's Kristen Baver's write up of the episode, so it's intentional, but it's a close call of Anakin and Grievous not quite meeting, right? Um, oh yeah, it's a close call. Grievous sees him. 
even, I don't, maybe that bubble thing blocks some of his vision. He sees him, but he's on his ground face down. Um, maybe he doesn't know. I try, I'm have to watch it for, for a fourth time. I don't, I think he knows it's Anakin. That's the trade-off, but yeah, it's, so it's a very close call, but it was intentional. At least they had it in mind that these two can't really meet and interact. So it's just kind of fun to track that. Yeah. Maybe Grievous can't see well through that bubble thing. Yeah. That's, I'm going to have to go with that. And again, I, again, uh, it's not like they were like, oopsie, they, uh, they, they they knew that was what was at stake. They they knew that they have to keep these two characters apart. So yeah, yeah. And, I mean it, it's fascinating because it seems like like uh, Lucas is happy over the years to kind of fudge something if he wants to, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. clearly. Uh, and I, and then there's some things you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. They they never saw each other. <laughs> they never met. They never saw. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's great. I'm glad you picked up on that. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode? No, no, I, no, not at all. Uh, I think it's, um, like I said, the, the, the Gungans just uh, inspire a lot of things, including some important conversations about how you present some characters, but also uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a little silliness just built into it, the squeeze me of it all. Mm-hmm. And I think they didn't shy away from that in this episode. And so I don't dislike or question anything about it. I just, uh, you know, when the episode starts, I remember, again, not not remembering every detail of this episode. It was like, oof, we we're, we got some really clunky lines that we have to dance around here. But I think they just ran right into it. And, and, and at the end of the day, I consider this a celebration of the Gungans. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I could throw excuse me into anything I disliked your question because, you know, I will never be a, a fan of that uh, very Earth mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm in this beautiful place where it doesn't upset me. It's just yeah. there. It's fine. Totally. <laughs> totally. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, lo- at the end of the day, really do love a lot of things in this episode. I don't know. Is this one I'm going to revisit in a while? No, but uh, happy to discuss it all here today. Yeah. Yeah. This is one I might, I might just pop on because I'm just so fascinated by the combination of the the whimsy and the fun that is represented by the Gungans and the horror that's represented by Grievous and Dooku and how big of a swing this episode is from from uh, comedy to horror is is pretty fascinating. Last thing for me is the uh, I love the design of Richelieu, right? Um, mm. th- there was something I, I I looked on his Wikipedia page. I, you know, I read some of the the background stuff on StarWars.com and didn't see anything about this. But there's something about Richelieu's design that really reminds me of this specific Muppet. Uh, he has two names. Uh, Uncle Deadly is his official name, but he was also known for a while as the Phantom of the Muppet Show. He's got the long snout, uh, purple, uh, and, and he uh, appeared um, uh, with Vincent Price. Do you know the Muppet I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes. It's just a great vibe of just feel like I, I had that like almost like when you see somebody in, in person, like. I don't think I know this person, but they remind me of somebody. Who is it? Oh, the Phantom of the Muppet Show. <laughs> yes, that's a great call. Yeah, so I enjoyed that very much. So yeah. if you could have a figure or toy uh, inspired by this episode, who or what do you want? All right, I got I got a couple here. We actually accidentally pitched the the, the, the Queens of Naboo history book. I need the, uh, you know, Great Gungans in History book. Well, let's <laughs> celebrate that. Uh, in terms of uh, more figures and 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 things to hold, uh, where I want the Boss Leone Jar Jar Binks Halloween costume. <laughs> you have to be first dress up like Jar Jar Binks, then dress up as Boss Leone. And then the final final one, I think this would make a stunning six inch or maybe even a sideshow three hundred dollar figure. 
General Grievous with prison balls. With prison balls. Oh, thank you. I've been saying bubbles, but prison balls is clearly the way to go. Uh, I actually said <laughs> that I wanted a vintage three and three quarter bubble capture Grievous, but I'm changing that to Grievous with prison balls. I mean, you might be saying it the safer way, but that's <laughs> what I saw. Uh, yeah. Well, if, if if there were variants, you could get Grievous uh, with prison balls or Grievous uh, with bubble capture. <laughs> bubble capture action. Next yeah. Time. I would I would maybe pick up a Richelieu action figure. He's he's cool design, uh, but this is the big one I want. Ken, this is inspired by the triumphant Gungan defeat of General Grievous. I want a General Grievous lawn darts game where your goal is to throw yes. <laughs> darts into his limbs. Just have like a like a Grievous f- figurine type of thing. Maybe made a Nerf or some kind of material. We can say, okay, I love this idea. Flat on the grass, and then you 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 have from a ways away. You gotta throw in those lawn darts and try to just pin him to the ground. On board, love it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we are excited to have discussed Shadow Warrior, and we're of course excited to keep moving forward in the Clone Wars. Next up is a two part arc: season four, episode five, Mercy Mission; season four, episode six, Nomad Droids. We are up for some droid wisdom and whimsy, Ken. Uh, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? This moral should be that behind the curtain lies the truth of your podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited to find out what the truth of our podcast is. Uh, but for now, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find us? Uh, Absolutely. We're the Force center podcast and we can be found on uh, Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Uh, you can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Uh, podcast found on a lot of spots. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, a lot of locations. Just search and find us. If we're not there, let us know and we'll try to get on that platform of your choice. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center, and then you can, uh, from there, pop into our Discord and have a ongoing conversation with a bunch of wonderful Force Center friends. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. We're in the final stages of our Kickstarter over at the Good People Association, the GPA. Check out our board game, Kickstarter Futility, the actual game of living. Just search for it on Kickstarter. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, to check out all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Prison Balls Grievous, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 